And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% and on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. We have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to talk about. But before we start talking about that stuff, before we get in, because I can tell John's just, he's just chomping at the bit, baby. He's chomping at the bit. Is there something going on? No, no, there's nothing going on. That's what I thought. Before we get in. There will be nothing going on. (laughs) That's very true. Before we get in, that was throwing salt, by the way. That was was you throwing shade. Man, I like it. See, how is that? That's not, that's just being honest (laughs) because of everything that's happening. And it's like, that's not throwing shade. Shade. I don't get that throwing shade shit. Before we get to John throwing shade, let's talk. About, <laughs> let's talk about YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. Let's talk about all of our platforms. Please hit the subscribe button, hit the thumbs up on YouTube. That shares our videos to everyone. We would really appreciate it. Now back to John throwing shade. Throwing shade. <laughs> let's go. Even though baby. he doesn't know what throwing shade is. Um. Look, I first off, this whole week my phone's been blowing up, and I know your phone has been, and you and I have been. FaceTiming back and forth and talking Crazy. back and forth all all week and let, let's just get it let's get right into it. They canceled today uh, UFC 249. We had been talking about that. We didn't we weren't sure if it was going to get there. There was a a small very small glimmer of hope. Talk to me about what you know. I kind of have an idea what you know, but t- from today I have no idea what you what you know. How did it all <laughs> How did it all go down? What was your inside scoop on that? And go from there. Oh man, you know, it was, let's go, let's go to yesterday. You know, there was a whole lot of stuff going on and there's a lot of stuff going on because of what, <sighs> breaking this down. This is a weird situation, Josh, because look at, I'm one of the guys that was there in the beginning that I went through all of this stuff with, oh, you're, that's not sanctioned. You need to be sanctioned. Oh, we only go to regulated places. There was so much internally going on as far as what the UFC was trying to do, because you need to understand several things here. The Tachi Palace is in Lemoore, California. I have worked at the Tachi Palace too many times, okay? And it's where the WEC really started most of their fights. Mm -hmm. That's when the WEC was young. Reed Harris, who now works for the UFC, he was with Scott Adams, the owners of the WEC, and that's where they put on shows. We, we We put on shows there, and... There was, you know, water coming through tents yes. and stuff onto the, onto the cage, and there's just all this stuff. But it was always, in the end, regulated by the California State Athletic Commission. Tachi Palace does not have a commission. Yeah. And when we talk about tribal land, sovereign land, we have a ton of uh, casinos and areas that are tribal land that the UFC goes to, used to at times. Bellator definitely goes to, you know, look at the Windstar Casino in uh, Backerville, Oklahoma. That that place Bellator has been to over 20 times. The Mohegan Sun is a tribal commission run by Mike Mazzulli, who was the ABC president. That is a place that, you know, Bellator and the UFC have both been to, and Bellator has been there too many times to count. But... That is that they have their own commission. So when you're looking, you know, the California State Athletic Commission is one thing, and they have, you know, their boss, Andy Foster. But when you have the government shutting things down, when the government shut things down because of the coronavirus, the Athletic Commission was told, we're cutting everything. 
shut it all down. We're not going to be running shows, all this stuff. So Andy Foster shuts every show down and is not going to do anything. Well, then the UFC comes in and says, well, we're going to put on a show at Tachi Palace. Okay, that's all right. You can say, okay, that's okay. Well, who's going to regulate it? Because the state of California is not going to regulate it. California State Athletic Commission is saying, no, we're not going to do that. Okay, so then, well, we're going to bring in, and this is where Dana started coming up with, you know, yes, it's going to be regulated. Okay, by who? Are you going to self-regulate? Because when the UFC goes to certain areas internationally, they do what they call self-regulate. Now, they, they hire their officials, they hire the referees, they hire the judges. They'll bring inspectors from different areas depending upon you know, if it's brand new, usually they'll bring a bunch from the Nevada State Athletic Commission and they will mark Ratner, who was the executive director of the Nevada State Athletic Commission until 2006 when he took the job with the UFC to be the vice president of regulatory affairs. He will usually do it. Or if he's not going to do it, then they have Matthew Valenzuela, who was the executive director of Arizona. And so they'll do this self-regulation thing. But within the United States or within North America, because you're looking at, you know, Canada also, especially going up North, they have never, ever tried to self-regulate within the United States of America. And that's basically what they're doing. They said, you know, oh, no, it's going to be regulated. No, it was not. In fact, there was a lot of problems with it being that Yes, they had doctors. The doctors were coming from Nevada. They had inspectors. Those inspectors were coming from Nevada, which is where the UFC is based. That's mm -hmm. their home. But that, in a lot of people's minds, that means that they're being... Well, there's no one that... Bob Bennett is in charge of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. He was not regulating that show. Bob Bennett was told by his commission, we're shutting down shows. He's not running anything, and he can't. He can't cross over and do that. He knows that I don't want any part of that. Jeff Mullins is under Bob Bennett. He doesn't want any part of that. So when you look at what was going on here, and then all of a sudden, a comment came out from the ABC, ABC the Association of Boxing Commissions that. and Combative Sports, saying, yes, this is a regulation. That was a mistake because it wasn't. That's a lie. It is not regulated by anybody. The UFC as a promotion, Bellator as a promotion, cannot regulate their own event in the United States of America. When Bellator goes internationally, they utilize the Mohegan tribe and their athletic commission to regulate their shows. They pay them to do that job. The UFC does it on their own internally. That's okay. They can do that, but not within the United States. And so this entire thing became a giant problem with officials, take a look at all the officials that are in California. You know how many of them. Yeah. All right. So let's start talking about officials. You had Jason Herzog, Mike Beltran, Herb Dean as referees, Mike Bell, Ron McCarthy, Milan Ayers, Frank Trigg. None of them were working that show. Why? Because just like you had explained to me, and I was under the understanding too, is the government, the, the governor shuts down the shows in all sports state side, statewide. And then the person who is elected by the governor is Andy Foster. And Andy Foster 
regulates those people that do the shows, which is yes. Mike Bell and Beltran and all and all these other guys. And so when they call and say, "Hey, I'm going to do this show," and Andy Foster goes, "You probably shouldn't do that show, or <laughs> you may get fired, or you can't do you shows." You may have a problem. Yes. And he, he's he's not going to sit there and say you can't do it. He's no. going to say you have the right to make up your mind and do and make your decision. But those guys are in a horrible position. Yeah. Because they're in this position of, man, I don't want to piss the UFC off. I don't want to piss the state of California off. And so you had people, Mark Smith was going to work that show, coming from Nevada. Why is he doing it? No he idea. thinks this is his opportunity. Here comes his opportunity. I'm going to get in good with the UFC because he can't do it through his actual refereeing skill. He's going to, this is my moment. Aha. You had other people coming from the East Coast. And so all of these other officials are now looking at them as you're a scab. Yeah. You're a person that's coming in doing something, knowing you shouldn't be doing it. And so that left a bad taste. This is this is so many levels of things going on. And you look and you go, all that the UFC had to do, and this became almost this whole point of. Now I said I was going to do something being Dana and I'm going to prove that I can do it. And his whole thing was the Tony Khabib fight. And I, I was kind of in there with him about, man, I want to see that fight too. Yeah. Let's just be honest. I want to see that fight. Okay. Who and doesn't want to see that I, fight? I exactly. And, and it's been shut down four times and man, I don't want it to be shut down a fifth time. I know what, I know what's right in that. Hey, there is this pandemic going on. This is a problem for people. It may not be a problem for a young person athlete wise, but you're going to have other people that those people are coming back to. And if they get sick and give it to somebody else, there's just bad issues in, involved with it. But I still want to see that fight. So then he loses that fight. So then it wasn't about that fight because then it was about, oh, the card, we're going to still put on the card. And eventually, you know, you, you, you can win battles and lose wars. And that's what in the end is, is happened here is politically, you need to understand when you're going against the government, you're probably going against something. And in the end, that's going to cause you a problem. And if you think that, you know, you can beat that, we couldn't beat it in the past. It was a lot of problems. It, it and it, it caused problems for the, you know, the, the UFC in the past caused problems for the sports and you start getting state senators, you start getting governors coming down on you. There's a lot of power there, man. And, you know, eventually Disney and ESPN said, this is bad publicity. This is bad for us. We're going to shut it down. And so it wasn't Dana that shut it down. It was his bosses that basically shut it down. Yeah, I ultimately, like, like without me going hard on the pain on them, is that at the end of the day, we get to eventually see the fight we want to see, which is Tony and, yeah. and, and Khabib. I mean, so at the end of the day, that's kind of what it comes out. There was a lot of reasons on why I was like real skeptical of it. Not only was it to the commission based stuff, it was, you know, I, and Ray Borg didn't seem like he was bothered by this. He was okay with going, but I mean, I remember buying shirts because his son was in the hospital battling some stuff and something like that could happen. He could go home. I don't know what his son's immune system is compromised or not, but why even take a chance? Why? Not, especially after all of these. And he's just one of the guys on there, not to mention everybody in that, 
that lives in, it basically works at that casino or anything along those lines. There's tons of reasons on why not to do it. And in the call was actually just taken out of Dana's hands and it is what it is. And at the end of the day, I'm just happy that we actually will eventually see Tony and Khabib. It just won't be yep. probably till the end of Ramadan and pushing into maybe August and September. But it is what it is. And I think the overall, here's July, the July, July, okay. July. International Fight Week. Come on. It just July. Don't, I don't think it'll happen July. that week. I know. Yes. Come on. At the, July. <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at the end of the day, we get to see the fight that we want to see. And here's the thing though is if you look at what's going on with the the coronavirus and 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 the pandemic that is the numbers are starting to decline and if this thing gets lifted by the first which it can which it can i'm not saying it will i'm saying which it can it really is only what another three weeks yes we can get back to work why are we fighting it why are you pushing the issue now and that's the only thing like let's wait till the first you're right you we don't have we don't have to and why jeopardize a chance of one of these fighters or the people that work the show because like we talked about a couple weeks ago it takes a minimum of 250 people to work this show you have the commission people the refs the judges i mean i you're talking the staff for the UFC. You're talking the well, fighters, they were, their they, corners. They were gonna cut it down. They were gonna, you know, and 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 they could. They can yeah. cut it down a of lot. Of course they can. But you cannot cut it down to ten people. No, there's no way. There's you, just no way. I don't think you can cut it down below a hundred. Yeah, I, you can. You it'd can be close. It, it would be close. I don't. You know, if and, you were allowed to get fifty, you could do it. Okay, so let's talk about this though. The number one complaint. Even Rogan talks about it, and he's been talking about it lately, is what? The bad judging and the bad refing. Those are his complaints. <laughs> what were you going to get with this mm-hmm. show if it wasn't the refs and the judges that we were normally used to? You're going to get exactly what you deserve. Yeah, which would And that's the thing. You have such a high quality. That card, show, I got to tell you, with oh. the hard card was stacked. stacked. Card was great. I can't, even, even, lo- even losing the fight that you liked the most. Yeah, Rose yes. against Andrade. Yes, I like yeah, that. It fight was still the most. a stack card. It was still a stack card. I mean, what were you going to get? And those fighters, who's to say that those fights when they went to the judges, you're going to get the outcome that you would have thought. It would have been you. It would have been just chaos. Honestly, people would have been more pissed if they would have spent seventy bucks on something and turned around and watched a fight where the guy definitely or the girl definitely won. And that it was given to the other person. You could have rightfully seen that, or you could have seen fights stop too soon, way too soon several times because that ref inside there was just not capable of making the right decision at the right time. you know. And what could have been worse is the fight could have went longer than it should have. And that ref didn't make the right call at the right time and something could have happened. Well, and the other part, if you're looking at just the basics, and this is what the AARP, which is the Association of Ringside Physicians, did I say AARP? Yeah, you said R. Yeah, old, old well, man Well, that's because I'm old. That's an old man thing, and I'm used. To it. I'm a member. <laughs> but I have no doubts about that. So, so, but you know, the Association of Ringside Physicians came out and they said, you know, it's just not the right time, and we don't want to put that stress if a fighter gets hurt yeah. upon a medical facility. But it's also you're taking a healthy fighter and putting them into the hospital atmosphere where. A lot of these patients are at, so you're you're bringing them into an area that they don't need to be brought into if they're not fighting. It's just overall, the entire thing was, I want to see fights as much as anybody. Yeah. And I don't care if it's Bellator putting them on or the UFC or LFC or Cage Warriors. I love fights. Yep. But sometimes you got to stand back and look at the big picture and go, 
it's just probably not the right time. Now, the real question, you're going to get someone, well, there's got to be that first step. There's got to be that, you know, hey, this is, someone's got to push that. Hey, we're back. We're, we're coming back. And I agree with that. Yeah. But the mandates that all of the experts put out there was only two weeks away. Mm-hmm. And with that two weeks, I'm going to say, yeah, all right, I'll wait for those two weeks. Now you you tell me, oh, we got to go more, and now I'm going to start to push it. But you got to at least go with what those experts, because they're the ones that are giving you the numbers and saying, hey, this is when it's going to peak, and we're hopefully going to be coming down. And that seems to be happening in California right now. It's reached its peak, and it's starting to just you know taper down. It's not happening in New York right now, but in California it is. So maybe it will be at the start of May. Yeah. Things are back, and you can start doing shows. Well, I mean... It, it actually is happening in New York. The deaths have gone up a little bit, but the actual cases of new cases coming in has gone down. So we are seeing a little bit of a plateau, like a, a, a flat line of that, which is good to hear. And I think within another three weeks, which is fingers crossed, I think for everyone, and I'm with you 100%. There's not a person out there that doesn't want to see fights. And I could give two shits if it's in the UFC, Bellator, yeah, one, LFA, RFA, whatever it is you like to watch. I want to see it. And it doesn't matter. I enjoy fights. I enjoy these fighters. I All of them. I mean, like, I think people need to understand that you and I think especially me is I'm on the phone all the time texting these guys, whether they're in the UFC or not. I'm friends with them as whether they're whoever they fight for. It doesn't matter who they fight for. I don't give a shit. No. That doesn't mean anything to me because when, when they're done fighting, we're still going to be friends. So I support all those people that fight in whatever organization. Yes, person. Exactly. So don't worry about the promotion. Yeah. And when talking about the person and that really is what kind of drives me to be this, the way that I am and the way that I am is because we were never going to get the best Tony and the best Justin Gaethje and the best Rose and the, you want to know why? Because they haven't got the train full camps up to now. Like think about it. The last two weeks, they really have been probably just makeshifting their camps together. Justin Gaethje, no camp, pretty much. You know, oh, yeah. he, he came out and just said, I got, he's, I know I got a good 15 minutes in me. Not, maybe not at Tony's pace. You know, yeah. I mean, that's a tough pace to, don't get me wrong. He's pace. got, he's got the ability to, to go out there and start Tony, but yeah, he, he has it. There's no doubt about it. And you no can't deny it. He's got the, he could, he's, he could have put, he's got he the dog in him. And, and, yep. He got the dog in him to do it. And I, but the, the thing <laughs> is, he's got the dog in him to do it. He got he throws the dog. Dogs. He's crazy. <laughs> But we're not going to see the best fighters out there that night. And we're not going to see them if they do carry on to do these on the islands or wherever it is they're talking about doing them. We're not going to see the best. We're not going to see the best fighters there either. And there's a lot of reasons on why we will not see the best fighters there is because is there a hotel on this island? Is there a hospital on this island? Is there running water? Is where, what do you like? Are you taking them? Are you taking Is there an arena? Is there an arena? is, is there just a ballroom? Is there what? What you like? And I, I said that Bodog, I, Bodog did him in Costa Rica on the beach. Yeah, but come there's on. also a hospital and, and things there. And there's there's people well, that live now there. Now you're come on, man. Now you're getting picky. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> it, well, well I, I was talking with a bunch of people, uh, uh, some media sources yesterday from Ireland and the UK, and they were talking to me about this stuff. And I said, look, I'm all for it. If you can get away with doing them on an island, great. But I always, I will always take the side of the fighter. Where are they going to sleep? Where are they going to stay? Do they have a proper place to warm up? Do they have running water? Do, will they have food? Will they have a hospital if somebody gets really hurt? 
I'm on the side of the fighter. And if you guys don't like that, I don't give a shit. I will always take their side and no matter what. And so when it came down to this and for them to throw a fight, and what I said, I've always said is fighters will throw themselves into this shit no matter what, because that's what fighters do. Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje, these guys, that's exactly what they just did. They threw themselves in there because that's who they are. Sometimes fighters need to be protected from themselves. Coaches and corners need to do that as well. Family and friends, that's what they are there for. I'm sure some of these fighters, because we started seeing fighters pull out, their family started saying like, I don't know about this. We really haven't really been able to train the last two weeks, three weeks, and you're fighting. There's a lot on the line. Eric Silva who now fights, you fought in the UFC, now fights for Bellator. His entire family, including himself, is, you know, down with the coronavirus. Oh, wow. You know, I didn't know that. And, yeah, and so you look and you go, man, you know, Rosanami Yunus, why did she drop out? Two of her family members died of the coronavirus. Shut up. I didn't know that. No. Oh, hey, come on, man. I didn't know that. So, yeah, you got to look and you go, Man, I want to see fights. I do, and I know everyone's gonna say, "Oh, if it was, it's only because the UFC." You know, it's like I love the UFC. You have no freaking idea. Yeah, but I don't love the UFC, and I don't love Bellator, and I don't love LFA enough to have a fighter get hurt, get ill, have a problem, or one of their family members have a problem. That fight's not that important to me. No, rather care for them right now in their health. And so, in the end, yeah, we we lose this. It's okay. You know, they're they're gonna make the fights up. You know, there there's the best part about a week is it's seven days, and yeah. the UFC has got to get forty two fights done. They've only done eight shows so far, so they got eh, a good thirty six or so shows to go, and that's awesome. Yeah, that way they can do them twice a week, and there's just more fights out there. We're gonna get inundated with fights. We talked about that with Chael. It's going to be a fight fans freaking fantasy. Yep. It's going to be great. And so that you know right now you're getting punished but the the good part is coming. The gravy train will come somewhere along the way. Yeah, it's not it's not only the UFC that has fights to make up. Bellator's got fights oh, to make up as well and every I, one of them. Everybody's got fights to make up. So you're we're going to get just slammed with fights. I feel like podcast Dave has something to say. So I was just going to tell you guys that since we started filming, Dana actually released a statement. Um, it was supposed to be at Tachi Palace. Um, yeah. So you guys are saying an island, though? No, no, no. No, no, no. Yeah, this is... Wow, are wow. you behind? This is what happened. Tahachi Palace is on the 18th. The rest of the fights after that were supposed to be on an island. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. Welcome to no, the show, yeah. buddy. Yeah, well, he had that, but they were they were going to do a, a good set of fights at Tachi Palace every week. Yes. And he he was looking for international on the island and then doing uh, domestic fights here within Tachi Palace, but that I, is no longer available. Okay. Well, you guys never said Tachi the whole time. That's why I just wanted to be no, clear. we did. The whole uh, wow. Nancy, he's, 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 he, this is what he's doing. He's surfing yeah. the internet. You guys, you guys want to know why I give him a hard time. This is exactly why I give him a hard time. This is the shit I got to deal with when you guys don't hear him. This is this is what I got. See this? This is what I'm dealing with. 
Um, look, like th- talk about the island. We just t- brought it up. Dave missed the whole thing, so we'll bring it up again for the slow people. Um, <laughs> the, the island situation is, like we said, is hospital, food, hotel, all those things. Now, all, let's just say it has all those things, which means that it has people on the island, which means do you do those people on that island want other people flown in that potentially have the coronavirus? No, they do not. So there's a lot of things in play here. And as much as we all want to see fights, you got to look at, like you said, the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is just that health and safety of everyone. And the athletes, and especially the athletes, is is important. And there's just no way, I think, around this it, without waiting three weeks, man. Three weeks. A lot of these places might be lifting bands within three weeks. Maybe, maybe we'll just, maybe the bands will be lifted. You can have events, but there just won't be crowds. Cause I can understand that for the first oh, month or two, I, no crowds. I do. I do not think, you know, when this lifts and there's fights being done, it's still going to be done with no yep. crowd, no one in the arena, no one at that. It will just be the trainers, the fighters and that, you know, regulatory body, as far as the inspectors, judges, all of that, but no fans, fans aren't going to be going to fights for a while. Yeah. It's I, just not going to happen. I've interviewed uh, Apache Mix, James Gallagher, uh, Kat Zinganu, all and uh, Darian Caldwell, all on the on the YouTube channel. So if you guys have it on Bellator's YouTube channel, check it out. And I did interviews with them. I the one the number one question I said is like, even when we come back, you guys may be fighting in front of no crowds for the first couple months. You know, Kat hasn't had her first fight in Bellator yet. And if she does, it may be, there may, there may be no crowd. And so she's like, you know what? Honestly, I'll be okay with it. You know, Apache Mix was saying the same thing. He loved fighting in Japan because the crowd doesn't really make any noise. You know? And, uh, I wanted to make sure that they all understood, you know, cause like guys like James Gallagher feed off that energy. Like yes. you could tell. And he's like, you know what? He's like, you gotta remember. He's like in my younger career, like most of us, we fought in front of 50 people, a hundred people. And there was no one there. You know, like, you know, and if they were, they weren't paying attention, you know? So it's, 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 it's almost like we're getting a replay of that. And those, all those fighters kind of tapped into the beginning of their careers when they fought in front of pretty much no one. It's going to happen again because, and it's going to be a while. I I don't see a crowd going towards, you know, seeing a fight and and having the actual crowd there. I'm actually thinking somewhere end of June, July, possibly, but that's about it. You know, throughout May and actually through June, I just don't see it. Yeah, I I really feel like we won't see, uh, promotions won't be able to put in a venue that's more than say 5,000. There's just no way. I don't think up until September, I don't think they'll be able to sell tickets. People don't have jobs. Yeah. That's the, true the, they, you know, like right now they have no idea where the, where the income is coming from. And I, I, I have, I have three businesses that I run small businesses, but they're all, you know, separate entities. They're all small. This stimulus is not what people think it is. It's oh. helping me pay my guy, my employees, but it's not making, helping me pay my rent. Not I helping tell you. You, my rent here on this, on these locations here is like I said, like it's like 15 grand. And it's only paying 25% of that. That's nothing. That's a drop in the bucket. That's, you got to start, you know, a lot of these small businesses may shut down and those people that work for them, even with the stimulus package, it may not help enough to get these people working. So the employees are getting paid, yes, but for small business owners, it's not as good as people think it is. Sure, it's great to help out, but it's not what it is. And so I don't think people are going to have the money to buy tickets to a live event until like say September, maybe even pushing into October to say they, they got to get back on their feet. They got to get yeah. back to normal because those other Good big point. companies too, 
they may end up having to cut some expenses, the ones that weren't able to stay open. So some employees may get laid off and the ones that come back, maybe not pick up as many shifts as they had before. There's going to be a lot of things that as a country we got to work through. And so sports, sure, that always lifts us up and keeps us going. But I don't think people are going to have the money to sit into a live event, at least until September, October. Well, you know, they're talking about, you know, this, this is going to change everybody. It's going to change everything and maybe permanently. Because yep. they're they're actually they're actually saying, you know what, you you just shouldn't shake hands anymore. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I saw. Really, that. I'm I'm gonna change being yeah. the person that I've been my entire life now, and not shake someone's hand and just go, hey, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> okay, if that's the way everybody wants it, I guess I I can get into the, you know, being exactly what everyone else is doing. But it just is all weird, and yeah. it's gonna be weird for a while, you know. Well, it's really weird when I walk into a store with a mask over yeah. my face because I, I wear I just I, I put my motorcycle mask on. Right. I, pretty simple. And I feel like someone th- has got to think that he's possibly going to rob this place. Yeah, that's that's what's crazy. <laughs> when you walk into stores now, you you that person that works there, is, especially at mini marts, they got to be thinking I could get robbed. By any one oh, of these, yeah. by any one of these motherfuckers. By in this place. Except, maybe the, except the old people. They can't tell I'm old yet because my hair's dark on top. You know, the, that's all covered. <laughs> I just I I want to see everyone get back on their feet, get their jobs back, and stay stay busy, man. I mean, like I've got a lot of money invested into my gyms and you know and clothing and stuff like that. My clo- and and it's just I'm cool with walking away because I would be fine, you know. But it's better to walk away no. when you don't need to. You know what I mean? You understand what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah. So, yeah. As a business person, you have to understand. Like, look, do I cut it or do I pay? There there comes that point. Yeah, there comes that point. Do you pay? There's you a pay line. Eighteen thousand dollars. Let's say twenty twenty five thousand dollars in rent. You haven't been open for two months. That's yep. twenty five grand out that you're in the hole. There's a lot of things that you have to weigh as a, as a as a business owner. So yeah, how far in debt can you go before you can't get out? Yeah, and that's and that hey, realistically, like I, you'd rather just wrap it up, start from scratch, and do it all over again, you know. And so, um, luckily for me, everything's paid for in cash, and I don't owe any money to anybody or anything. So you know, those are things that you except can do. Me. Yeah, except for this guy, which I mean, now <laughs> we've seen that he doesn't do a very good job of his job. So we're gonna renegotiate his contract after this. <laughs> You're doing um, good, Dave. Don't worry about it, man. All in all, in all, um, I do appreciate Dana trying to do the things that he was doing. I thought it was good. I thought it was a the his, his head was in the right mind of trying to get the keep the fighters active and do it. But the problem is when it's worldwide, you've got to look at it and say, okay, you know what? As a company, let's just settle this down. I'm surprised yeah, that Disney yeah. and ESPN didn't tell him that. Man, I, I I'm gonna disagree in one way with you. I think his his heart was in the right. That maybe that's what way. I meant to say. His head was definitely not. Okay. <laughs> because you you can't look at that and go, "This is a smart decision." Yeah. You just, you just can't. You can say, "Hey, I'm a fight promoter. I want to give my guys the ability to make money. I want to put on fights for the fans out there." I'm a, I'm a, I understand that's yeah. your heart. But when your head looks at it, man, yeah, I think eventually it became a, it's a me against them. Yeah. And, you know, he's a fighter and he wants, he's, he's fighting. He's, you know, if well, there was one thing. Is he really a fighter? He's not a cage fighter. <laughs> That's my you job. Know, the, one thing, the, the, the one thing I will give Dana that I, I've always said about, man, the guy works. He was a hard worker from driven. the very beginning, man, driven hours, 
I mean, the, the guy used to, in the beginning, he used to go to the Blockbuster. There was a thing called Blockbuster Video back then. Yeah. And he I, would put the UFC tapes into the Blockbuster videos, you know, himself. He was the president of the UFC and he's in there stocking tapes and stuff. You know, the guy works his ass off and he's still working hard. He's just got to look at, you know, this situation and go, hey, I did everything I could. Yeah. He did. I did everything I could. I, I lost on this one. And it's not really a loss. It's uh, I got shut down by the higher ups. There's there are people higher than me, and they made the call. All right, I'll go with it. You and got shut down by Mickey Mouse. He got shut down by Mickey Mouse. That's Dave's someone, way of taking a see, job. Someone said that to me already, and I was like, I can't use that. That's just wrong <laughs> to say. Mickey Mouse kicked Dana White's oh, ass. You know? <laughs> but it's like that's fucked it's up. Somewhere somewhere along the way, Donald Ducks and Pluto is going to be pulled in there too, man. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. I should have rewritten it. Not his head. His his heart was in the right place. You yeah. Know? And uh, I really do feel like when that sports is something that does lift people up and it keeps them it does. keeps them excited, gives them keeps hope. them energized, keeps gives them hope, and just the positivity of just sports itself makes people feel like, hey, they can do this. They can lift themselves up by the bootstraps, kind of thing. And like, hey, well, we can when do you it. when your guy, your girl, your team wins, yeah. You feel good. Yeah. Come on. When the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Fucking hell. You're a Chiefs fan. <laughs> How high were you? I've DVR'd it. So I watch it almost every day now. <laughs> <laughs> and all I do is I just take like uh, pictures of it when it's going live and I send it to all my Niner fan friends. Oh. Yeah. I live in the Bay Area. So I'm just getting like hate mail and yeah, you know. you're rotten to the yeah. core. Yeah. I, I love it. I love every bit of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually play the repeat over where they dump the bucket on Andy Reid. I, I just I just send video footage of that over and over to all my f friends. Remember when Josh was talking about earlier when he switches his hands? Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. when, when he's watching the Chiefs? Yeah. 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 It is what it is, man. I'm, I'm excited, man. I never thought I'd see it in my lifetime, but I'm glad I got to see it at least once. I'm hoping we get more. Um, is What What do you think? What what uh, what? What do you, what do you think they where do you think they go from here? Not just them, but I mean at the sport in general. I you know, I, I I honestly think let this thing ride out. Most uh, there's been a couple of states that have expanded that, you know, stay in stay in shelter place, you know, yeah. at home, all that stuff. But but a lot of them have it where, you know, it's somewhere just about all of them is somewhere between April 20th to may 1st there's a couple mm -hmm. that go to may 4th and stuff yeah but just about everyone is that they're looking at that may is the month and i think if we can get to that point and start moving forward there has to be a point where you say okay we have got to start doing things mm -hmm. all right because economically you can end up killing yourself as much as this coronavirus is killing people to a yeah. point you know so there's got to be that point and I think, you know, that's what Dana was trying to push is like, hey, man, you know, we need this as much as we need a cure for the coronavirus. Yeah. Okay. But since you're experts and everybody has agreed that somewhere right at the end of April, somewhere right at the beginning of May, that's the point. Then let's go to that point. And then from that point, let's start doing fights, doing them, obviously, with no crowds, doing them in, you know, if it's in a, you know, a sound stage, if it's in an empty arena, if it's in the apex center, wherever they, you know, they want to, wherever, great, you know, try to keep the uh, the staff down to a minimum if you can, just to help continue that, you know, quantity of people not being there. 
and let's start doing fights and let's start, you know, getting things back to normal and, and pushing towards what we were doing in the past. You know, that's, that's the way I think it needs to be. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, that beginning portion is going to be hard. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of questions that need to be answered on how we're going to do the event. There'll be less camera people, less lighting people, you know, the yeah. shows, the, the product, the production the of the product shows, won't look quite the same. It won't look quite the same. The production of the no. show probably will not be as good as the quality will not be as good as people are used to, but yeah. do you either want sports or you not? And that's kind of where you're at right now. And I, I think, well, and you gotta, you gotta look at it this way. If, if it's the UFC with Anthony Giordano or the Bellator with, Rick Bazinski, those are the directors of both. If they have normally, we'll say, 12 camera people or on a smaller show, eight camera people, but now they're down to four camera people, obviously, you know, they can't put out the same quality. Yeah. But in the end, you're not going to see much of a difference. You know, yeah, you might not get that that perfect angle on the replay that shows exactly what happened, but... That's okay. You got to see the fight. So it's going to be good. We'll be all right. Yeah. I'm glad that we have the production team that we have because they are amazing and they can just, you know, oh, like no, Nordy and like, huh? Nordy. Yeah. Nordy, man. Nordy and Nordy. those guys. I mean, sh they're insane. Sardo, those guys that work in our, yeah, Sardo, all those guys. The best. You're welcome. Uh, oh, I thought you were talking about real production team. <laughs> this guy, he's trying to pat himself on the back. Podcast, he's over, Dave. He's over there. Cheers. Jones. What a homer. What a homer. Look, the the bottom line is is everyone just needs to wash their hands and their ass and we'll be okay. I think as soon as possible. You know, I mean, that's really what it comes down to, you dirty, filthy little animals. You filthy animals. Um it, there was a lot of there there has been a lot of talk about them opening it back up sometime in May. Not just sports. They're saying work in general. Because um I was just listening just the other day um a couple different news uh sites that people that were working in the kind of like in the hospitals, uh nurses and doctors that have tested positive for the coronavirus have now been able to go now that they're clean, been able to go back to work and they said, look, just wash your hands, wear masks, wear gloves, those type of things. If we're willing to send those people back in after they've already had it then who's to say that when we, why can't we open up the economy and just have people go back into work, gloves, masks, whatever it is. And their working establishments need to provide those type of things. That's one way of doing it. Sadly, I own gyms, so we will not be doing oh. that. <laughs> it's a rough business to be in, yeah. but you know, um, I could see the economy getting back open and us pushing in that direction with people getting back to work and just, not you no, know, not shaking hands for you know six months. You know, um, wearing a mask, wearing gloves. You know, using hands, having having a big thing, a hand sanitizer at your. You know, at the end of the day, in probably in like what twenty thirty, there's gonna be those lawyers that are out saying, you know, if you were overuse of hand sanitizer and and during the coronavirus, you can file a case and we can win <laughs> that case for you. That's what's gonna happen, right? We've seen that yeah. with the baby wipe or the baby powder stuff now and. I could see that now. If you overuse hand sanitizers and soaps, you know, you we can settle, settle a lawsuit for you and get you money. Oh man, I can this is crazy. Um, gosh, I, I can't think of that's pretty much that's it. You know, there's there it when you look at it, you go, there's really no point in talking about no. Justin versus Tony or Ningano versus Rosneck or, or any of those. It's like they're gonna happen. Yeah. Eventually they're gonna happen. Covington versus Woodley eventually will happen. I don't know what UFC it'll be in. I don't know, you know, where it'll be at, if it's going to be on an island or if it's going to be, yeah. you know, in a 
soundstage or the apex center but it's gonna happen so i get to see it so i'm all right i can hold off a, i can hold up a couple weeks no yeah. big deal i mean i'm wondering because they're they're so behind the eight ball like just like bellator is also is that international fight week could be a full week of from wednesday to sunday fights you oh know, you might, could eventually we, see something like that take a look at what you know when it first started they did a, sh a fight thursday night mm -hmm. they did a fight friday night and yep. they did a fight saturday night and then they cut it back. They did one on Sunday too, because BJ Penn fought Frankie Edgar on a Sunday. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it. they they switched it. The first one was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Then they went Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then they cut it back to two. And you know, but hey, they can put those those shows out. Yes. They can get those fighters the fights that are on their contracts. There's plenty of days left in this year. Yeah, it is. It's going to make people hump, but. They've got great staff. They can get it done. They will get it done. Bellator will get theirs done. And like I said, if you're a fight fan, you're going to have a whole shitload of yeah. fights to be able to watch. And that's that's usually a good thing. I can't wait, man. Honestly, because, I mean, well, I like being busy because this all this at home shit is driving me up the fucking wall. <laughs> I well, tell we, we won't talk about what we do is FaceTiming and texting. What the fuck are you doing? I'm oh. going crazy, man. Yeah. I'm sitting, I'm sitting right. at the pool with my dog just drinking a beer going, man, it's only noon. <laughs> I'm already getting started. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, yeah, let's wrap this up, buddy. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Obviously, yes, the, the news dropped. We don't really have a whole lot to talk about. So we'll start trying to line up some guests and we'll go from there. What do you think? And, and... By the way, for those of you guys that follow this whole thing, I want to remind everybody, we actually had a guest on today, and I want to want you guys to, to bear nice with us. To yeah, be nice to him. Bear with <laughs> us also, too. There was a little bit of technical difficulties, but the quality and the, and the content was really good. So give it a listen. Also, YouTube, SoundCloud, Google Play, all those things. Spotify, hit the thumbs up on YouTube. Share our videos. We truly appreciate it. We thank you very much. I hope you guys enjoy uh, Dwayne Ludwig. All right, guys, we're here with our guest, uh, Dwayne Ludwig. Dwayne Bang Ludwig. And, uh, Bang! We, this is uh, nice to see you, man. I say, I haven't talked to you in a while. It's been a minute. And, uh, you know, how things been going? Things have been going good. Good to see you as well. Mr. McCarthy, always good to see you, my friend. Same uh, here, brother. Things have been good. Been staying at home. I don't, I don't mind the, I'm not happy about the coronavirus, <laughs> but I don't mind spending time at home. I've got uh, quite a few projects done while I'm here. So it's good getting caught up and spending some time with the kids is nice as well. So I'm not, I'm not complaining. You know, I, I feel like everyone's getting their home projects done is like, they've never been able to, you know, it's, I mean, John, John's always working. Doesn't matter what, like he, anytime he has time down, his wife's got the honeydew list for him to do, but it's just, it's just funny. Cause he actually posts about it all the time. So he's like burning the grass and burning everything he can with a blowtorch and a, come on. Anytime that you can use a high power <laughs> blowtorch, that is a moment that's, you take yeah. as something special. Come on. That's fun. That's <laughs> a lot. Gotta get one of those, uh, flare gun, not flare guns, uh, Flame throwing guns that uh, Elon Musk made. Oh, I know. Oh, dude. yeah. You know, Rogan's got one of those. It pisses me off that he gave Rogan one. I never got one. That's crazy, man. <laughs> That's good. He, it's like, did you, did you ever see, you see the movie when, uh, sometime in Hollywood where he, he uses that freaking flamethrower that he had from the movie on, on the uh, the old Manson family member? I just love oh, that part. I haven't seen that. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Right? Yes. I haven't seen that yet. I got to see oh, that. Oh, it's I'm awesome. It the... I enjoyed it. Good. Well, now that you, you take on there, 
How, how did uh, how did the Bruce Lee scene play out? I don't mind the spoiler. I guess well, you his know, family wasn't happy about it. He, well, his family. See, it, it, here's the truth. You got to know the truth of what really happened. Now they took and they played off of a true story from Jean LaBelle. Jean LaBelle had an incident with Bruce Lee. It was when Bruce Lee was Kato in the Green Hornet. He wanted to do this scene. Gene didn't want to do it based upon he had his stuntman. He didn't want them hurt. And Gene ended up grabbing a hold of Bruce Lee and doing a certain thing. And Bruce Lee couldn't get away. And they became friends off of that. And actually, Bruce trained with Gene because of it. You know, but they kind of made it where it was, this, it was a fight type of thing. So it wasn't quite factual, but it's based off of something that truly did happen. I wonder how much grappling Bruce Lee learned from Gene LaBelle because he used the guillotine in what was the movie? Return of that Return of the Dragon. Is Return of the Dragon when they fought the Coliseum against yes. the Yes. Yeah, he had also the arm bar, bar, arm bar in the end of the dragon. Exactly. That's it. Look at you right two. Now. Look right at you now. two that nerds. Was, that was crazy to me because for me, like, mainly a striking-based martial artist, and one of the, I would assume pushed his style and his brand more in the movie. He chose to finish two high-level scenes with submissions, which I thought exactly. was very interesting. Hey, you know, that's the, if you're going to look at one thing, people are going to have their ideas about Bruce Lee and what he did. And, you know, did he bring attention to the martial arts? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. In an incredible way. And he was a guy that he took what worked and made it part of what he did, and he got rid of the crap that didn't. You got to love anybody that's got that kind of vision. Yeah. I think that's most fighters in general. When you say it, they're not going to try to spend too much time on anything that's not fitting to their style, but following the path of their own natural intuition and freedom as a martial artist. So I think that's something most people do anyway. He gets a lot of credit for it, which as he should, for not, I guess, sticking to a style, but following his own path. He's definitely one of the pioneers for that. But I think that's what most people do anyway. Well, let's talk about you and your path. Because you came up I with a, to talk about myself. Come on, baby. <laughs> you know, look, I, the truth is you have created and, and it's with, you know, boss Rutan who you have had a special relationship with. And I don't know why, because he's just <laughs> mental. He's such a pain in the ass. He's one of the greatest human beings I ever. I can tell he, you he, why. I can tell you why. <laughs> Go well, ahead. He, tell every me. time we trained, he was 100% committed to helping me develop and become a better martial artist and human being. And As he is with everyone. People, they don't, a lot of people don't see that because they don't actually get to train with him one-on-one -on -one in a closed setting. So when he's outside the dojo and doing his uh, entertainment style things, he's just a happy, carefree, loving guy. But when it comes time to train, he is all business. And that's yes, what people he is. Don't about him. So he, he, I wouldn't be where I'm at today without his guidance of how to train and actually what to train as well. Because he's the first guy to condense combinations and give them one name the custom auto would name individual punches but since boss he named and numbered full set combinations and that's what sparked my path to continue the continue where i'm at now so he's a big innovator as well no doubt about it, he's a huge innovator but the, what you've done with your system you've made it to where every fighter i talk about that gets to train with you says he made it so simple for me. All of a sudden, I saw it. When I never saw it before, all of a sudden, it was clear to me. How is it that you are able to get that across? Because that's the difference of being a guy that teaches the martial arts or a guy that trains 
people in the martial arts? You know, good question. I, I've literally been studying martial arts since I was eight years old. Uh, I got across paths with my first instructor, Joko Ninomiya, who was, he won the All Japan Open in 78. And he was a legit, pure Kyokushin karate practitioner who moved to Colorado. He just left the mountains. So um, my first instructor again, and he had a real open mind as well. So I think from having that open mind from being eight years old and then meeting Sensei Basrugan and then my traditional Thai boxing coach, James Tigret and Trevor Whitman, everyone that I've been around. Uh, I've also trained Javier Mendez for a short period as well in San Jose. So I've, everyone that has been able to help me and I've been able to listen to have always had open minds. And I don't think it's because why I think it's everyone had Bruce Lee's philosophy as well, as far as finding what works for them and helping people grow and extract their potential. So I just fed off for them. I don't think I'm creating too much new stuff as much as I am just replaying what I've learned in the path. And that's one thing that I take to heart is because the people who spent their quality time in life to invest into me, I would think that it's a disrespect for me to just let the martial arts go and go be an electrician or go be something else. I feel it's my duty and obligation to perpetuate what they've taught me. And again, it's my duty and obligation as a human being and martial artist to pay it forward as we all should be. And I think I understand it to a level where I can break down technical, I guess, high level techniques to very simple things because I'm simple minded. <laughs> I'm like six years old, right? So it's perfect. You're perfect for me then. I can color in the lines now and everything. <laughs> Don't lie. You can't color in the lines. I Don't lie. <laughs> Don't lie. Ortho, but not southpaw. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's good. It's 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 been it's been a humbling experience to be able to help so many people. That's for sure. I, I do have good praise from a lot of people, and I would I will say that it's it's. It's pure. I think they're not being uh, boastful about it. I don't think they're trying to build me up because to be nice, I think it is honest assessment of my understanding of martial arts. And I wouldn't have this understanding if I didn't get the opportunity to meet so many people and also be the head coach of the team in Sacramento in the time that I was because I was I accepted the role and the role was to be the head coach for a professional team. And that team had a million different styles. Everybody had their own little feel and flow. And I had to help each and every one. I wanted to help each and every one. Instead of making them all Dwayne Ludwig, I helped extract their potential. So I had to figure things out at a simple level to make these complex techniques learnable for people. Your um... did I answer the question? Sorry, I'll round it <laughs> Yes, you did. Yes, yes. you did. <laughs> yes. I mean, I look, these, these like uh, where we're going with this is there's a lot of things that you know a lot of people that already know things about you like as far as uh, where you where you have learned from from boss you know the techniques that you've sh showed guys like TJ and all the other guys that you know from Alpha Male to Juan Archuleta and they they are actually grooming them as well themselves you know in the last couple um last couple of years and getting making themselves better and, and kind of stylistically making it their own and sure. you continue to work with them you continue to build that and. Where are you at right now with, you know, with with TJ and with Juan and with the guys, you know, with Cub and all those other guys that you were working with for a while? Where are you at now with them that you're far away and then they're in California? What's going on? Well, once the world gets opened back up and what we were doing was I was flying to California to help them out. And then they were also making trips to Colorado. Mm -hmm. So we're still crossing paths, whether it's in California or Colorado. And then also the internet has been beautiful. So I can send them video clips and they send me video clips, clips and I can break it down. And we have a language in the system. It's not just uh, just making things up as we go. I name and tag a lot of things because I want to be able to 
communicate with people from a distance. I don't want to sit there and be able to touch them and, and tell them exactly what to do. I want to do it from the cage and from the ring and from distance. So with that being said, whether it's the cage or the ring, it's also now at the telephone. So that again, that comes from Sensei Basu and being able to chunk combinations together, condense them, give them one name, one number, whatever it may be, a way to have little cheat codes and cheat systems to make sure that we're igniting the proper reaction when the time comes and learning to build that anticipation and that feel and that sensitivity and just following the path, you know, the way, the Tao, just finding key things that actually work and just meeting them in the middle or meeting them at their level and then building them up. Because, uh, well, I, I, our system, it's, it's pure. It's as pure and as honest as I can make it. Uh, I feel a little bit, uh, I would say I was lied to as a kid sometimes, not for my karate instructor, but I did Taekwondo and then the movies and you see all these fancy tricks and techniques and you try to do them and you get your ass kicked and you're like, man, that didn't work. So I wanted to make sure that our system was as pure and as honest as it could be. And that's one why I respect jujitsu so much because there's no BS in jujitsu at all. It all works 100%. So I'm following that path as well to make sure that whatever we have in our system actually works. So you mean um, all the stuff that Anderson learned from Steven Seagal that doesn't work? I just I want to make sure we're all on the same page. Damn. I'm about that though, because if Anderson Silva honestly believed Steven Seagal, and with his athleticism and his own skill set, and he took that belief and it ignited him and made him a little bit more sharper because he had you know that that fanboy status going. Tell me you wouldn't feel a bit more sharp if you had your your idol sitting next to you telling you what to do. No, no, no. So I no, think there's no. a truth to that. No, That's I, no, no, I, I absolutely would not feel more if he was telling me that. No, no. <laughs> no, that, that shit don't work. <laughs> that, that, that shit don't work, man. As much as I, I'm sorry if the kids are in the room, but that, 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 that garbage does not work. I'm just letting y'all know. It doesn't. All right. Well, well you're right. Yeah. You're right. I, I just, the fact that they actually soaked it up and they fed into it. DC tried to get me to believe in that crap too. He's like, man, I talked to Sensei Seagal and he was telling me, you know, I should take so-and-so down. And I was like, oh really? Did he look that up in your wrestling videos? Cause I just want to know where he got this information from. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he had a good, that was a good little entertaining spurt of having him in the MMA world for a while. It was, it was fun embarrassing was more like it i think i think the word fun and embarrassing i'm not sure that that word means what you think it means fun it was it was it was embarrassing i think i think what was what was more look the fact that he was there was cool whatever it was more embarrassing the fact that these fighters were feeding into it i was like oh you guys are killing me i wasn't he wasn't feeding into it too much i had a good conversation with anderson over that yeah all right. Well, tell and, and well, we, by all means, you got to tell us. <laughs> oh man, yeah. yeah. I well, you know, you got to call it like you see it, and and it was exactly that. I'm I'm talking to him, and I said, "Hey, I got to ask you, <laughs> why? Why are you giving credit to Steven Seagal? I know he's your friend, but why are you giving him credit for things that I know you learn from other people? You've been doing these things for a long time. You have, you know, Hudamar and." You know, Rafael uh, and all these different people that were your coaches that taught you these techniques, and now you're giving credit to yeah, yeah. someone uh, that is in a position that, yeah, they're famous, but you didn't learn that technique from him. Anderson always used to call me coach. You go, oh, coach, coach, you need to make people feel good sometimes. Uh, yeah. 
And I was like, all right, if that's what it is, just do me a favor. Tell them to take off the shooting glasses. I know. I, <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, um, so, okay, yeah. so TJ's been in the in the news a lot lately. There's talk, there's talk about when he comes back. And, I mean, basically almost... I don't know if it was guaranteed to him that there would be an automatic title shot, but he's going to be right up there in that top echelon, I would imagine, of him potentially getting the title shot within a, a one-fight win or even right away. Where do you stand with that? What's your idea? I mean, a, a long layoff and then right into a title shot, is that something you're comfortable with? Because honestly, I believe that you get back in there and then you come up short, he's already going to get a ton of criticism. And to come up short yep. and not and got and not get a win or at least put on a good show after this amount of time off, people are gonna say, Yep, see, it was always that. It was always what he was doing that is that got him there. And where are you as a coach? Where are you where do you lay that line? Well, we'll see uh, what happens once we get back in the mix. You know, it was uh it was one fight deal where he got uh, so here's my my I guess my my eyes on that situation. He was cutting weight to 125, and yeah. his body was breaking. Per his story, I I didn't notice too much in the training camps. Then he was fast. That was the only thing that I noticed. He was faster, and you know what? He would the the training sessions weren't as long and as as intense as they pick, uh, typically were when he was fighting at 135. He wasn't able to go as long. He was just breaking down. But he said his body's breaking down. He took it to help repair. With mm -hmm. that being said. I can't be in his shoes and see how he felt, how much pressure's on him to make sure that he can perform to that level. So it's not right what he did, but I understand what he was talking about. And look at his fights before that. Look how sharp he was. Look at where he got him before he started using the, the EPO. So I think he's going to come back just as sharp as he ever was. And he actually looked better than when he was trying to cut too much weight at 125. Yeah. Especially with the time off. He had two shoulder surgeries now. He's healed up. He sent me some videos and bending. We're still going back and forth. I'm helping him out. And he looks sharp now with this layout. So he's just going to pick right from here and keep building and get better. And he just has the mindset. There's one thing that uh, St. Pierre said when he came back from the layout. He said he had ring rust. I think ring rust is a mental thing because Dominic Cruz says he doesn't have ring rust when he came back. He just came back and fought and was ready to go. So I think it's, again, a mental thing. And TJ is one of the most mentally strong human beings I've ever come across. So when the bell sounds, we are going to see the same TJ, if not a better TJ. I think actually a better TJ because his shoulders are healed. There are quite a few things that we couldn't do in camp that he should be able to do now with his shoulders repaired. So I'm looking forward to his return. If you fight someone in the top five or a title shot, he's going to be sharp and ready to go. You're going to have to excuse me for a second. You go ahead, John, and ask a question. I'm going to... You know, here, my question is this. I thought that TJ going to 125 was going to be a mistake. Only because... Yeah, it's only 10 pounds. That 10 pounds takes a toll on your body trying to get rid of it. If he comes back, I see him fighting at 135. Do you ever want to see him try to do that 125 again? No, sir, I do not. I want to That's that. my man. That's what yeah. I wanted to hear, Dwayne. Yeah, for sure. I would like to see him stay at 135 for some super fights at 145. Okay. But 135 is his weight class. He's actually a little heavy right now, as he should be if not working out as much. But uh, 135 is his weight class. It, no, there's no doubt about it. And he's so fast at that weight. If he goes up, he's still going to have that speed. Yeah. He's going to be faster than those guys. Maybe not quite as big, but it's always speed that kills anyways. Yep, speed and timing. Speed yep. and timing. That's what he has. 
He now, has that awareness of anticipation, that intangible rhythm and feel, and he knows how to bait people and make them try to catch him. He, he's, in my opinion, a modern version of what people think Bruce Lee was. Yeah, it, he's, he's fluid. He can fight in every angle, direction, and level. There's not, there's no hiccups in his game. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm his trainer, but I'm also his fan. I can't believe the level of understanding of martial arts that he has. Again, I wouldn't be at the level of I'm at as a trainer without him pushing him. I have to keep studying and learning new things just to keep him fed. Yeah, you know, the, we we look at the way that TJ fights, and he he fights not like Dominic Cruz. It's a completely different style. But it is a definite in and out, back and forth, southpaw, orthodox. He moves just fluidly from all these different positions. And then Juan Archuleta is the guy, if I'm going to say, that tends to fight very similar to TJ. Those two guys, who you're now both training, they both fight in the stand-up in a very similar fashion. And when they're doing well, it's when they are moving in and out and utilizing their wrestling as a ability to get close and then break off and land those strikes. Is that what you're practicing with both of those guys? Yes, sir. I am practicing with no limitations as Bruce Lee requested. <laughs> in all honesty, right? Because I've come across a few trainers in the past. I won't mention any names, but, and they're not uh, full-time trainers. None of the trainers that I mentioned before, like Trevor or, or Boss or uh, Javier Mendez or anybody that, Winkle John, some other people I've had short little training sessions with. And when I come across a trainer or a training partner and says, don't do that, do this. I'm like, uh, hold up. I start backing up because something natural and feels good for me or for one of my fighters, then do it. You have Let to do it. I don't ever want to restrict any natural intuition. I mean, look how stuck boxers were in the orthodox stance. And then I have a whole series of ortho, a whole series of southpaw, and then the blend in between when you're changing the stances as well. Now, when I'm training somebody, so when I first went to Sacramento, most of the guys were taught to go to fight uh, kickboxing orthodox, but they all wrestled southpaw, so they were a little bit confused. I said, let's blend it together. I don't want you to do this in ortho and this in simple. I want you to do in both. And that also comes from working construction as an electrician, smacking a hammer, Right hand gets tired, what do you use? Left hand. Boom. There we go. So you got to make sure that you're fluid in all directions. So, and that comes also from my first instructor, Jokonomiya, from the, the Kyokushin style. He, in, in ancient karate, they are fluid as can be with their feet and angles. There's no restrictions. They have the ancient means to have a circle and just to be fluid, again, with no limitations. So, again, I, I've had really good instructors in the past that didn't tell me not to do something. They just said, it feels good, go in and do it. And again, I continue to share that with my athletes. Because I don't ever want to tell anybody not to do something. I want to make sure I'm encouraging them to reach the full potential. If I'm using a hammer, my right shoulder gets tired, I just stop hammering. No way. <laughs> I, do, I don't switch <laughs> left hand. No, Josh. No, no. coming up, baby. I'm good. Bro, the only time I switch my hands is you know when. <laughs> That's the only time I switch my hands. Because <laughs> I got his hands on all the time, man. Because mama didn't raise no quitter, baby. You're not quite sure what angle and what direction you're going to be in in a fight, especially with mixed martial arts. Yeah. So I want to make sure there are no handicaps. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little hard in the paint on you a little bit. Yeah. Not you, but yeah. just in general. Like, look, the one thing, and I've heard, I've heard this before as well. TJ is very, very mentally strong. TJ is yeah. someone who can break through barriers. TJ is that person, even from times when he was the alpha male, that he's the guy that will grind you out. He's the guy that will put the pace on you. He's the guy that he has a little bit of a mean streak in him. 
But when you said that someone like that is mentally strong, then what is the point of using EPO? What is the point of going to that level? Like, that's what I don't so understand. If you was, are that guy, what is the he's point? He's a dog. He's a dog. He'll work himself to the ground. He, his body was just breaking down and he wasn't repairing and having the same strength and spunk and the same drive that he had for his training sessions at 135. And I did, I noticed a little bit of it, but not as much as I, as maybe I should have. Maybe I had some blinders on. Because I would, I would fly out there and train him three days a week and then be back home four days a week. So I was there literally less than half the time. So our sessions were pretty good. And I'm thinking he had more breakdown sessions in the in the wrestling and the strength conditioning rather than the boxing and kickboxing sessions that we were doing. Even though our sessions are completely mixed with mixed martial arts. But, you know, if he tells me or if he's telling the media his body was breaking down, I believe him. And he was taking it. I don't think he took it to have an end on anybody, on anybody as much as I believe he took it just to get back to homeostasis and be where he was at 135 mentally and physically. So he just buried himself into the dirt. I mean, I'm sure you've, I have too. Most fighters have, you know, trained themselves to the detriment. And that's, that's TJ. He doesn't know when to stop. Yeah. Especially I, I, at that level. You know, he's making, I don't know what he was making, you know, million dollars, whatever it was. You have a million dollar fight coming up. And you're a little bit tired, but you still have training coming up. Or your 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 coach is flying out here from another state and leaving his family and his business to come train you. Are you going to give me half half ass work ethic? I hope not. I hope I, hope, I want hundred percent. I'm leaving my family and my business to come help you. Don't give me fifty percent. I want hundred percent. So I think part of that too could have been me pushing him too hard. I'll have to take some responsibility on that. Yeah, I feel like cause like when you're talking about those type of things, the, the most common thing to fix those type of things when you are feeling run down, when you feel like your body's breaking down, is called rest. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. that comes from a trainer's point of view. And if you're not there, and I, I've been there plenty of times where I've just done too much, and my and Javier's been like, "Hey, you know what? You need to just take today off, and maybe even tomorrow. Yeah. I'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll come in. We'll try to get a work in. But if you're not there, like you were saying, you're not there seven days a week. You're not there. You know, you're only there three days a week. I can understand as as the head coach not being able to see this all come, you know, um, happen right in front of you. Yeah. I put, I put, you know, I think everyone's going to put the responsibility on TJ because it was TJ's choice and TJ's a grown man and he made the, d the decision to do it. But I'm just, for me, I want to make sure that people are going to, I don't want you to leave this show thinking that I didn't ask you the hard questions and I'm no, going to ask, good. I'm going to ask you the hard questions yeah. because that's what people, they want to know. They want to know what yep. the inside scoop is on. What did you know? What did you not know? And also this is the one thing as a coach, what went through your mind when, when the commit, when you found out about this? So, uh, TJ texted me and it was a long text and it was, I think day before or a couple of days before the news broke, he never told me personally at the, at the, like, I didn't know what was going on, yeah. but he, uh, sent me a text like a day or two before the news broke. And I was like, oh, like, what the hell? I was, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was shocking. But then when we talked, he told me, I, I felt bad, man. Like, you know, I felt bad because he was honest and he was crying. And I started crying. I was like, shit, man. Like, I understand, you know, I, I see where you're at because you're making whatever he's making high double, you know, the money aside, his family aside, the, the titles, the fans, he's got a commitment. He's got a role to fulfill. And if he's not performing at the level that he's used to performing with the weight cut and the, and the new, I shouldn't say new, it was a new training regimen because he's done some different strength conditioning and nutrition and stuff. So he had to do what he felt he had to do to perform at the level that he's used to. So I, I wasn't in his shoes. I never made those big dollars. I never made those that big money in fighting. I was never the UFC champion. Although I did beat the UFC champion outside the UFC. But, <laughs> uh, 
Jens Pulver, uh, we got that. Okay, it's all right. That bugs me. I wish I would have fucking Jens would have brought the title to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I've never been in that position to, you know, make the money he was making and to, to be the number one fighter in the world and, and to have that pressure. I mean, that had to have been some crazy pressure. Well, Josh, you've reached higher levels of mixed martial arts than I have. What, I mean, what was the pressure to perform? How about when you rematched Gilbert Melendez? Like, what was that pressure like? How you did know, you handle it? You, I mean, I, d take this with a grain of salt, but the pressure, not very well. Let's no. be honest. Okay, let's just look at it that way. No. Put it this way, <laughs> though. That, but to take to take this with a grain of salt, okay? The pressure was never enough to make me want to cheat. Yeah. That's the. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to knock TJ. I'm not trying to drive it into him. I'm just simply being honest. At the end of the day, it was never in me to do that. And I'm. And I look. I understand the breakdowns. I do get it. Yeah. I do get it. But here's the. I think. I don't even know about previous. I'm just simply saying that he put a lot of pressure on himself to make 125. Yeah. And when you do yeah. that, that is something that he did to yeah, himself. He I asked for it. He wanted it. And I get, I get it. The legacy is there. I mean, yeah. and to beat Henry Cejudo after he yeah. had beat T, uh, DJ and DJ was the guy, basically was, everyone thinks that he was, he uh, still potentially is the pound for pound, probably the best fighter in the world. You know, just because he's not in the UFC doesn't mean, doesn't take away from no, what he's, he's doing. Right. He still probably is the pound for pound best fighter in the world. Agreed. So we, TJ put that stress and that pressure on himself. I'm a huge TJ fan when it comes to watching him fight and seeing him perform and what you've done with him. I am all for it. I just, when you ask me that question, I got to be honest with you and be straight oh, with you. Yeah. And, and I'm not trying to be an asshole or a dick, but that's the bottom line. It never, the pressure to fight Gil or anybody else I fought never got me to that pressure. But right. bo bottom line is, is that it happened. He's done. He's handled it. He's here. I just want to know where your guys' relationship is and what the growth is uh, moving forward. What does he have like another eight months or nine months, I think, or whatever. Uh, January next year. January next year. Coronavirus is over. <laughs> hopefully but like where does that where when do you guys start picking up where you left off to get ready for whatever fight the ufc throws at him we're gonna pick up but uh, we you know what? he he just posted a clip today of him hitting uh hitting the bag he looked good mm -hmm. he sent me some clips last night of stuff that we don't uh, release to the public and he looks sharp he looks good uh we'll see how he looks with the moving target in front of him because like when i hold pads and we do our dutch drills and our sparring obviously there's motion in play and that's a big huge hole that i feel a lot of trainers don't do with their fighters is they hold the pads and they're stationary but when you spar and fight you need to move right so yeah. my point is he looked great on the bag videos that he sent me we'll see how he responds when i'm holding pads for him moving it back at him how he responds during dutch drills how he responds during sparring but i don't have any doubt he's going to come right back to the top for sure. Dwayne, your mentor, Boss Rutten, sure. was, was always, he's always very vocal about guys that use performance enhancing drugs. Yeah. He on. was very vocal about it. And, you know, he, let's, let's be honest, he trained with guys that were monsters yeah. at a certain time and were really heavy into it. But he always, he always said, you know, you're mentally weak if you have to use it. And you're talking about how mentally strong TJ is. Did you ever talk to Boss about the situation? And I did. What yeah. did he say? He asked, you know, he, he said that same thing. He said, usually people are mentally weak. I'm like, well, that's not, that's not TJ. But then, you know, listening to TJ saying that, you know, he just wasn't the same as he's used to being. So he just, he was breaking down his body and he needed to do what he felt he needed to do to perform at the level he needed to perform at to prepare for the fight. So I, I understand that. I don't agree with what had happened, but yeah. I understand it. You know, I do. 
But I mean, shit, like what Josh said, take some fucking rest, right? Like rest yep. up. You know, he's got the proper nutrition because he had the the Sam Calavita, the strength conditioning guy mm-hmm. who was making his meals and doing all the strength conditioning. So, and he's tracking, you know, heart rate monitors and doing all these other things uh, to see where he's at. So I don't know if, I don't want to put blame on Sam, but I don't know if Sam missed any readings. Like, you know, if you're doing strength, strength conditioning and, and you can't push the same amount of weight or maybe your number's a little bit lower, because I, I go by the sensitivity. I don't count the punches. I don't, I don't have a fucking speedometer to see how, uh, fast he's punching you know I, I i didn't notice he was faster that's the only thing i noticed he was faster but i i think there would have been any hiccup on knowing that his performance is dropping more from the strength conditioning because that's all tracked by numbers and heart rate monitors and stuff so i, I didn't notice uh Dwayne, i want to say one thing you are a uh martial arts and kickboxing nerd Okay, <laughs> I swear, <laughs> absolutely love it, man. I gotta yeah. tell you, you you're a nerd, but I, when it comes to this stuff, and that's what makes great coaches. And I I, I gotta tell you, I'm so thoroughly impressed, man. I, I actually truly love it. I love it, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just happy we have such a stable well, society. A little bit crazy now, but such a stable society where I can actually make a living with my uh, nerd passion. <laughs> Go get Hank. Tell Hank to be quiet, please, sweetie. Uh, so yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate it. It's good. I'm glad I don't have to be such a uh, martial art nerd and have to work a regular job. Very true. Very true. I get paid for my nerdism, and it's funny. <laughs> you know, it's my it's my give back to the world to hopefully help people become, you know, more I guess uh, aware of oneself. I'll say that. You can look at it this way, Dwayne. I always tell everybody, I said, "Man, thank God for violence. If it wasn't yeah. for violence, I'd have been a bum on the street." <laughs> <laughs> you. You have helped a lot of martial artists and evolution as well, sir. So I thank you for the time and your dedication that you've made to the actual arts. You have been uh, an idol of mine as well, and I appreciate what your service to the martial arts. Thank you, sir. I appreciate thank it. You. <laughs> thank you. All right, so to, to, we're going to kind of wrap this up, but I wanted to, sure. to hit the last couple. The last question for you is this. I mean, unless John's got another one after mine, is <clears> – <throat> If everything goes according to plan, where do you see yourself with TJ Dillashaw in January? Where do you guys see? Is it going to be a title shot? Is it not? And then do you see him regaining the title at 135? Is he staying there? Is he going to try to go to 45? Where is he at and what is going on with him? I, I would like to see what the UFC has planned as far as promotional aspects. If there's a, uh, if he needs to, if, if it's worthy to give him a title shot paper, because it all it's all about dollars with the, with the, the entertainment industry. So if it makes dollars for him to have a title fight, then that's what will be, I'd rather have that happen. But I feel because that he's stamped as somewhat of a cheater, that he should actually have to earn a title shot with the either one or two fights, but I wouldn't mind him fighting for the title right away. And where I'll be in his, is in this corner. Darn it. All right, my last question. Top five guys that you believe in your heart you're working with right now. Obviously, uh, TJ's off one. There's one. Uh, give me four what's more. The, uh, what's the question? I'm sorry, sir. One more time. The, give me the top five guys. TJ will take his one. Top five guys that you are personally working with right now that you see having that chance to be a champion. Well, TJ, yes. One, Archuleta, and then also PJ McGee. I'll say three. There's a reason why I don't have a full team because I want to dedicate my time to the family and my business and my remaining time goes to 
the top three people that I have. And right now that's PJ McGee, Juan Archuleta, and then also TJ Dillashaw. So uh, I don't want to have, uh, I don't want to have qu- uh, quantity over quality. I want to have quality first. Sounds good to me. All right, my sure. man. Hey, I want to thank you for coming on. Truly appreciate it. Thanks for hitting me up, man. You were hitting me up and like, hey, man, hey, let's let's you. do this. You you know you know uh, you're always welcome, and I'd love to have you back anytime. All right, so hit me up anytime, bud. Yes, sir. Shout. I sure sure will. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Wayne, you take care, brother. Take care. Cool. Have a good night. Thank you.